surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better. While balancing running with the rest of their lives. I'm so excited to talk to you at Paper Trails Greeting Company. This is the number one greeting card company that I use. I love what they're doing. Kristen, who made this company earlier this year, is a dedicated amateur runner who made these for dedicated amateur runners. There's over 35 different cards on her website, papertrailsgreetingco.com, and they're growing every single day. These are creative they're hysterical, they're witty, and if you're in the running community, they hit the perfect note, and so many of these are inside jokes, and they're just fantastic. And it's card season. Thanksgiving's around the corner, as is Christmas, and these are just great for any time, any occasion, and the fact of the matter is people love getting handwritten notes. They always have, and even more so now in the digital age. So head over to papertrailsgreetingcode.com and use code RAMBLING. That's right, RAMBLING at checkout to save 15% on any order that you make over there. Also, go check out their Instagram. Kristen does a great job with her Instagram profiles, Paper Trails Greeting Co. And it has all of their different uh, and upcoming and brand new cards over there. And it's just really, really well done. So go check them out. So today's episode is with Amanda Asaro. I was really excited to get Amanda on here, first and foremost, because she is one heck of a runner, as you'll hear in this episode. My goodness, Amanda is super fast and has been super fast for a very long time. And unlike so many of us, she's actually had a fall racing season. Can you believe it? Like, there aren't many of those people around, but she had one. I was excited to talk to her about it because it was a uh, fairly unique circumstance. The Trials and Miles people are doing such in, you know, intriguing and interesting things. And this was um, a take on what they were up to. Not a take on it, but they were they were doing some, a variety of different things in the metro New York City area. And Amanda, as someone who lives there, was able to be a part of it. And I was really excited to talk to her about it. In addition to that, she's a coach over at Barry's, which is like a HIT-style training um, company. And I couldn't wait to talk to her about that because that's something that so many people who listen to this show are interested in, whether it's berries or orange, orange theory or doing your own stuff at home. Uh, a lot of us have dabbled in that sort of endeavor. And she's a teacher over there and a coach over there. And I really wanted to get her perspective on that. Lastly, she's going to be one of the speakers at the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. Tickets go on sale November 23rd. She's one of 24 people, some of the best people in the running community who are going to be speaking at that summit. That's not why I had her on the show today, but I do want to give myself a little plug on that one. So yeah, be aware. November 23rd, the tickets will go on sale. And uh, I think once you see who's going to be speaking at this baby, you're going to be really interested. At least I hope you are, because I know I can't wait to hear what they have to say. So without further ado, let's get into it with Amanda Asaro. Hello, Amanda, and welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, it's my pleasure. Amanda, you have had such an interesting racing season. And then I've got to be honest, that's the first time I've said that to somebody in a long time. But <laughs> it's true. Like, you're one of the few people I know who's actually had, you know, an actual racing season. And I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, I... I definitely am excited to share it. it. It has been definitely a season for me, which is crazy because I'm I'm grateful that I have been able to make the most of this time. Yeah, so let's talk about it. So first of all, you know, so you're in the New York City metro area, which you know basically has been a hub of a lot of 
different kinds of races that have been going on. Peter Bromkin and I actually talked about this just a couple of days ago about some things that, that, that we had seen. And we were talking about it under the guise of new ways of broadcasting some of these um you know, newer type events where people are trying to be kind of entrepreneurial and creative and trying to come up with new ways of racing where the kind of traditional methods just haven't really been there uh, for obvious reasons. So with that being said, you've kind of been a part of a more traditional track season. Really, the, the, the thing is, it seems to be like no one knows when it's going to happen. And then you find out afterwards that it did happen. So first of all, What's the name of the, I guess, the series itself? And how did it how did it start to come your way in terms of it being communicated to you that they wanted you to be a part of it? Yeah, it I know it all happened so fast and it, it is pretty crazy. But um Trials of Miles um is run by, I mean, I I'm sure many people, but um Cooper and Dave have created such a great platform and it started out just as virtual racing and I um I'd been hearing, you know, bits and pieces about it just from seeing um, a, f- a couple of people on my channels participating. And then it was through the second series, um, they actually reached out to me via Instagram to join. And I, at that rate, I, I'd been running just to keep myself sane through quarantine. Um, and I was like, there's, you know, I had two half marathons canceled on me. So I said, why not? Um, and it was a series of races that, were to be completed virtually um, and then uploaded through your Garmin or whatever GPS watch you have. Um, and through Strava, they were able to track and can make a competition out of it. And it was really cool. I got introduced to so many great girls in the New York running community and even greater, which was awesome. Um, and I think through that, they more recently have converted into as we slowly can and safely can have in-person races, they're small and super regulated, but we have been having a few races here and there. We had one in Jersey City, um, which was a 5K special with multiple heats. And then we most recently had one at Randall's Island Icon Stadium, um, where they had a few different events, which was awesome. Yeah, there's these in-person events, which I can't wait to talk about. So the Trials of Miles thing, if someone's you know really up to date on social media, I'm sure they've seen it out there. Um, it's kind of this, it's this, uh, it's a unique thing, right? Because it's, it's um, obviously it's national. You see people coming in from different regions. Uh, they actually like do altitude adjustments on some of the people say coming from, you know, whether it's Colorado or Flagstaff or, you know, places like that. And it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You know, Lindsay Nelson, who's been on this show a couple of weeks ago, actually ran really well. I think it was in the 10K uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, that's kind of been out there. I know they have a half marathon coming up as well. It was kind of a, an in-person race. So when it started to come down the pike where it wasn't just, hey, we want to get some of the best runners around to compete in this virtual um, this virtual race series, which certainly is an extremely unique thing because we have so many virtual races around. Uh, I guess before I get to that next question, what was it like for you to have a virtual race series just contact you to be a part of it? Because I think that when people think of virtual races, they don't think of community, right? It's kind of like quite the opposite, right? So what was it like for you to all of a sudden – be to be part of a larger group in something that was so individualized. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I I assumed they were reaching out to, you know, runners all around and I was 
honored and super excited to um, get the extra nudge because I don't know that it would have been something that I would have signed up for on my own. And I think that extra little pressure um, to be like, oh, you know, someone, someone wants me in their race um, was what really got me also excited for it. Um, and it's been such a build of community. I mean, I think that Charles and Miles have done such a great job creating hype around that. And it's, you know, something that we can thank social media for. Um, I know there are, you know, pros and cons as we can get so absorbed in it. But I think in this realm and this world right now that we're in, um, it's been social media and this virtual racing has brought so many people together. And they did this through many different ways, you know, athlete showcases, they did um, weekly recaps, which were really cool. Um, and it got you excited because they talk about the competition and who different people would be up against and um, research was done. I mean, they knew everyone's background, their times, their PRs. And I think it was really cool. Even in our um, in-person New Jersey race, um, Chris Chavez um, did a did the broadcasting and it was my friends and family that were watching, they were like, they knew every person in the race. And I think that's so unique and so special. They talked about people's backgrounds um, and, you know, where they were coming from. So it really, it's been a way to get to know so many different people who have such a common love and passion for running. Yeah, that that was interesting. Chris is just, you know, he is so plugged in on so many levels within the running community. Um, you know, pros, amateurs, college runners, right? Uh, sub elite runners. It really is impressive. And I watched some of that stuff and, and he did a great job. He actually then participated, right? He was like he trying did. to get in on the action later on in the process. Yes, he did a he did a mile race all by himself, which is serious props to him because it is not easy running a mile alone. So when it came time to potentially, I can say potentially, so I'm going back into like the process of like you finding out at first that it was going to be um, something that they were trying to do. When you found out that they were going to, you know, try to have these in-person races and not just something, you know, fairly small, like, like you mentioned, there's heats, there's different, there's all sorts of things going on at these races. What was the communication for you, not only in terms of logistics, like, hey, we want you to be part of this, but how were they sharing it? Because like me, and maybe I was just missing the boat, but it seemed like there wasn't a lot of pre-race hype for some of this stuff, as opposed to um, some other things I, I had seen. I wasn't sure if that maybe I just wasn't tied into it or if that was kind of, they wanted to tamp it down because they didn't want people to be there. Yeah. So I do think, I think in terms of the in-person, it, it was... You're right. That it wasn't super um, talked about in terms of the early stages of signing up. And I think this is part of the reason that goes to COVID and keeping it small. Um, it was via email. And I think people that had been showing interest in the virtual races were being contacted. And then it was through word of mouth. And they were super awesome in terms of letting other people know I'm also on Central Park Track Club and a lot of girls that didn't complete in the compete in the virtual racing um, ended up doing the in-person just because they reached out to my coach as well. And she was super excited to have a competitive field. Um, so yeah, via email is how they sent out the invite and the regulations and all the need to knows for the races. 
And these fields were stacked. When you saw who was running, what was that like? And just and just for the people who maybe or maybe this is the first time they've heard about it, describe like the, the level of runners that were in this group. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely intimidating. I um I knew a lot of them from the virtual racing and then I heard about the big excitement of trying to qualify Ali Kiefer for the Olympic trials in the 5k. And, and that was a whole nother level of elite. I mean, she was trying to run crazy times. Um, and she did run a crazy time and there were two women's heats. Um, there was heat a and heat B. I actually raced in heat B, which was the slower of the heats. Um, but still insanely fast. Um, really great competition. I think it was really cool to have so many girls that also knew of each other because we're all in from the New York City area. Um, it felt, I was lucky to have my team as well. It felt like a practice, really. It felt like this is what we've been doing. And um, it felt really comfortable to know where we should be and just kind of run together as a big group. Yeah. I mean, the, the, track clubs that were there and were represented was this unique mix. And I think you could only really find it in an urban area, whether it's New York or some other place as well, where it's not, you know, Nazalite necessarily, but it's also not like your everyday running club, right? You have so many folks who are just incredibly quick. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on this podcast. And I know a lot of other podcasts as well, talking about people who were trying to get to the trials for the for the marathon trials last year around this time. And so many people in the New York City area, you know, were, were going down that road and were doing so well. And a lot of people on your teams and, and, and uh, the teams that you often compete against were certainly in that group. And when you see people like that lining up and getting excited, did it feel in the lead up to those events and then at those events that it was almost like, you know, back to that normal feeling of of racing? Or was it like a completely different thing? You know, Matt, I'm still pretty new to the to the whole run community. And I um, I moved into New York City two years ago and I I didn't join the team originally because my work um my work hours were typically during the hours of practice and when normal people weren't working. <laughs> um, so I, it's funny cause I feel like I've come in at a time where the community is so strong. Like I sometimes feel like I'm speed dating with, you know, people reaching out to go on runs. And, you know, I think we've been in a place of isolation for a long time. And now that things are slowly starting to come back a little bit we are able to go outside and run together um and it feels like so beautiful and it makes it less intimidating because chances are i've run into you in the park or you know passed you on a track um and i think i think that's what kind of made it feel comfortable and like a place where i want to be and surrounded by these incredible women so why did you move to new york in the first place my job. Um, I work for Barry's, Barry's Boot Camp, and we are based in um, New York City. We have a huge, um, huge hub of studios here. We had six. We still have six, <laughs> but they are just no longer all open right now. All right. So how do you how did that become a job for you? Because now we're like, I can't wait to talk to you about both of these things. Not only you're running 
side, but also you know, the berries and, and kind of strength training side. Because both things I think are completely fascinating. So how does how did your because what was your background to set you up to work at a place like berries? And if someone's not familiar with them, um, you know, I mean, you can speak to them better than I can, but I know that it's an extremely high profile place within New York City that's extremely well thought of um, within within what they do. But I, I can you can certainly speak to it better than I could. But ultimately, how did what did your background look like to set you up for to work at a place um, that's as esteemed as they are? Yeah, well, so it's funny. I mean, I graduated college and I ran cross country and track, um, all through college. And I think having that feeling of team and being so health and, you know, wellness oriented, it pushed me into that lifestyle. And that was what felt right to me. Um, long story of my, of my path during college, I worked uh, seasonally for Lululemon and Lululemon has an incredible culture as well. They focus so much on personal development and really, you know, goal, they're super goal oriented. And I, I learned from the age of 18, creating a vision and setting my one year, five year, 10 year goals and when I graduated college, I said, this is, this is the place I want to be. I, um, I love the company who doesn't love the clothes. I mean, if you don't know what Lululemon it is, they're most well known for their black stretchy pants, but they have tons of other great active technical wear and are also broadening their men's line as well, which is great, um, because it's, they're crushing it in all caveats, but um, hey, come on, Amanda. No free ads. No free ads here on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, if you can't tell already, I am. <laughs> I am very passionate about the things that I am involved in. And full circle, I am now a Lululemon ambassador. No longer work with the company, but I'm super grateful to be back with this other incredible community. Um, and so I worked there full time post college as a community lead. So this felt so right. I was organizing events, planning group workouts for the team, for the community. Um, you know, it's a, it's a global company that each store is, has the ability to work on a local level and planning different events with local gyms brought me to berries. There was a berries in Westchester, New York, which is where I was working, um, and where I grew up. And I, fell in love with the workout. I fell in love with the team. Um, and you know, I thought there was something so cool that I could hop on that treadmill and the instructor would tell me to run for two minutes. I was like, never have I ever raced up, you know, laced up my shoes and gone on a two minute run. And it was like, took me to a whole nother level of running that I was like, if I'm running for two minutes, I can, I can go faster. Um, there are people around you that wanted to high five after. Um, and so that felt back like a team and one thing led to the next and falling in love with the workout, um, brought me to teaching the workout and I taught part-time to begin with. And the more I was doing it, the more I wanted to be teaching. And the logical decision for me then was to go where there was the most berries and the most opportunities. So I packed up my bags, not too far, <laughs> just an hour outside of where I was. Um, and moved to the city and didn't have one permanent class on the schedule, but just hoped and dreamed that one day 
you know, I'd have a full-time gig here. <laughs> so there's a lot of these kinds of gyms out there, whether it's national brands like Berries, I know a lot of people also know like Orange Theory or just like, you know, or mom and pop shops that kind of pop up in, in local communities. Um, while these are all fairly similar, there's also a lot of differences. So like for you, what would be like, I'm sure you have a lot of different kinds of classes, but so someone's going to Barry's or maybe someone's in one of your classes. What exactly does that look like? Like what, what are you, what kind of activities are you doing in there? Yeah. So we are a run and strength based workout. So it's going to be 50% treadmill running, which we have the Woodway treadmills are incredible. Um, and we also focus on strength. So body weight, dumbbells and resistance bands. So it's going to be broken up half and half and the instructor has full autonomy in how they break that up. So it could be, you know, you spend half of the class on the treadmill, half of the class on the floor, or you go teeter back and forth, you know, a quarter on the treadmill, quarter on the floor, back and forth. Um, and we get to decide what the fun of the day is going to be. So you ran at Gettysburg, which is a D3 school, but in a really, it was also a really good conference. But even beyond that, just like with all running, you know, it's also like, what can you do personally? And you, you did some serious work at Gettysburg, man. I mean, you had, you almost set the career, the school mark in the 1500 with a 440. Um, you had, you closed out your career with the outdoor record in the mile, 504, and the 5K, 1721, as well as the indoor mile in 511. So you had a really strong running background. So what about these kinds of classes brought you in, or were you always kind of in that mode of like strength uh, with within your running, um, or was this something that you kind of came to later? Yeah, I love that you did your research. That's great. <laughs> um, I I think it comes down to I am a competitive person and I I I feel like I'm thriving when I'm around people that also want to be in the same place that I want to be. Um and feeling like whether I'm on the track racing and running with other people trying to set a new PR or on that treadmill hitting a new speed for the first time. Um it excites me. It's, it excites me to be around other people also trying to improve and do one thing that's, you know, a little bit scary, a little bit exciting. So I think, yeah, I think running is really the main part that I loved about berries. And it's cool because strength now has become another facet of my life that is super important. And it was important in college, but it was definitely, oh, we got to go to the gym to lift now, you know? Um, whereas now I'm like, realizing how important it is and how fun it really can be to have a different kind of workout where you're not necessarily out of breath the whole time. I mean, don't get me wrong, lifting weights is hard, but um, it's a different kind of hard. Yeah, that's a great point. So when you were at Gettysburg and you were lifting, you know, to become the best runner you could be during that time, obviously, you know, your, your strength sessions then were I'm, I'm, you know, I'm assuming here, but I think it's pretty obvious. We're basically here to how, what can we do to make this person faster and a better athlete and a better runner, as opposed to like, we're going to get this person stronger just for strength's sake. So what was it like in terms of what you were doing in the gym that felt like it was more of an obligation as opposed to something that was enjoyable? Yeah, I think it was, maybe it was a lack of knowledge and realizing how important it was. And, you know, college, there's so many different different parts of your life. I mean, 
the academics, the running, being social as well. Um, I think all those things, I was like, oh, lifting a barbell is the last thing on my list right now. And um, my mindset has totally changed. And I think I'm grateful for the time that I had post-college because I I took a step back from running. I was still running because I loved it, but I was super focused on getting the job that I wanted and, you know, being the best that I could at that. And through that, I, I was taking classes. I was, I was being involved in something other than just running. And, and it gave me time to build the strength without having the crazy miles that we were doing throughout the four years running competitively. Um, so I, you know, I went from high mileage to low mileage and building strength just to become a stronger athlete without even knowing that I'd kind of be going back to running. And now I feel like I have the whole picture of I had time to build strength and my miles are there. And now I have increased my mileage and it's all coming together. Now, how has that extra strength impacted you as a runner, both right when you kind of made the transition back to increasing the mileage after doing um, more lifting than you had in the past, but also now, now that you've, you know, really gotten back into running at a high level while you're still still doing the lifting stuff. Yeah, it definitely made me just a stronger overall human, I think. I mean, something that's really cool about berries is, and I think anytime you pick up a heavy weight is you kind of leave a room feeling like Superman or Superwoman, um, things that you haven't done before. And that goes with, you know, running as well. But I think building strength in your core and power in your legs, it's going to turn over to your a quicker stride and also injury prevention. When we're running miles on miles, we're working the same muscle groups and, you know, rounding out that to find balance in our body is super important. Now, how has it changed your opinion on how people should use their time towards athletics and running? Because I think there are a lot of people out there, you certainly experience this in college, as you mentioned, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, being a student athlete can be really tough from a time management component. Um, so there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast, just like yourself, who are, you know, who are you know, working and running and balancing a lot of things. And I know that there's for a lot of people there feel this feels like a trade-off of like, all right, how you know, how much time can I spend on these physical activities that aren't running when I'm trying to become better at running? And it feels like this either or type situation for so many people. It totally does. I hear it all the time and I hear it from clients. I hear it from runners. Um People don't feel like they can run and lift weights at the same time. And it's it's totally possible. And it actually is the best way to work out. Um, yeah, I am all about quality. And I think excess miles without certain purpose, you always want to know your purpose. So every run you go out on, you want to know why you're doing it, whether it's to build speed, to build patience, to build endurance. Um, and when you get to a point where you're just adding on miles just to get to a number, um, time can be better spent. Time can be used in the gym to focus on, you know, unilateral work, one side of the body at a time, evening out those imbalances. Um, yeah, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I once had a conversation with Tyler Underwood, uh, who's a runner out in uh, Southern California, and you know, he he was of a very, very strong belief 
that like, hey, I would, you know, for the people he coaches or even him personally, that he had the experience of like, if you have an hour to, if you have an hour to spend on your exercise, he goes, I would rather have someone run for 50 minutes and do 10 minutes of, you know, body work, you know, uh, as opposed to just say run for an hour. He goes, I would say that time and time again. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've met other people who've put it that bluntly, but I think it's, it's just something that this is, that's the thing that I come back to all the time when I'm like guilt tripping myself into, into doing more work like that. Um, what's your take on, on that, say on that quote and just that, um, that concept generally? I agree. I think, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a very drastic way of putting it, but I do, I mean, of course, if you want to get better at running, the best thing to do is run, but you know, running to a certain extent can only take you so far. Um, the best runners are athletes. They are well-rounded and spending time in the gym is super important. And it, it doesn't need to be every day. It doesn't need to be um, even every other day, but two to three times a week can have huge benefits. And I would say cutting back on the running to make time for that is beneficial. Now, how do you advise people who I know you're, you're a coach, not just outside, not just at Barry's, but also your run coach as well. And then you know, you're in the situation where you can also be a guinea pig on what you're on, 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 on what you're doing. Right. You can test things out all the time because um, you're in this world, uh, not just as a coach and as an advisor to other people. But, you know, you're, as we mentioned earlier, like you're running at a pretty high level. So when you go back and think, all right, like I want to be not only a better runner, but I want to be a better athlete and I want to get stronger. What are some of the foundational elements that you like to work with people first who maybe fit as runners and able to, you know, are, are kind of at a, at a baseline level that's fairly high in terms of their activity level, but maybe are novices to some of the, the strength and body work that you're teaching on a daily basis? Body weight exercises are going to be the winner. Um, you need nothing but yourself. And just moving your body in ways that we don't always do on a day-to-day -day basis is super important. Some of my favorites are um, thinking about balance. Balance is really important as a runner and stability. So focusing on not necessarily quick, and this is getting back to how I was feeling about, you know, thinking every workout you should leave out of breath and every workout should be super challenging. And not to say that balancing on one leg is going to be easy, but it's not going to leave you out of breath, but it's a, it's a different type of workout and building patience and consistency that's going to in turn help you as a better runner. So single leg work is super important, finding balance um, and moving your body laterally, side to side. We spend so much time moving forwards that our body forgets sometimes that it can go in different planes of motion. So something like side lunges and skaters are going to help you as well. One thing that uh, I think for a lot of people, even, you know, people who aren't novices to any of this is the scheduling of some of these sorts of activities. Cause there's a lot of people who will do 
two to three quality running sessions a week. You know, by that, I mean, whether it's speed work or tempo or a long run or some sort of confluence of those three or combining some of them. Um, and then you have these, you know, some like the classes that you teach, right, which are substantial efforts, uh, but a different kind of um, activity. What do you do from a scheduling perspective to make sure that people can do all of those sessions the way that they are intended, but also give themselves the recovery time or availability uh, in the long term to make sure that they're not overdoing it and can get the most out of all of that work? Yeah, this is a super popular question that I um, oftentimes find myself explaining because there is so many different parts. Um, And I always base scheduling off of your easy days should always feel easy. And those are your times to recover, to get in some easy miles, just time on your feet. And that that is the intention of that workout. Um, so I, the best, the best days to do your weightlifting and your strength training are going to be on your hard quality days, your hard workout days. Um, and if you're taking a class like Barry's or any other group fitness class where you're doing high intensity interval training on the treadmill, that's that's your quality run. That's your speed work. And so in hand, doing your strength training in combination with that is awesome. Um, and same with if you're going to do your speed work or um, on the roads or on a track, getting in strength after. And simply if if you want running to be your priority and that's your main focus, you don't want to be lifting anything heavy or tiring out your legs to a point where you can't perform in the workout because that's going to be, you know, that's your bread and butter. So the, the other stuff comes after and you want to do it not on an easy day. So you have time to recover, but not before the hard quality stuff on the running front. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's a, you know, especially with how COVID has worked out where, you know, a lot of gyms all around the country have had, um, you know, this has been a disaster for so many of them. Um, you know, just all this in-person stuff. And, and even now with, with, with cases ticking up again, um, and the, um, you know, with, with winter, you know, right around the corner, it's harder to do some of this stuff outside. So there is a, you know, certainly a cohort of people who have treadmills in their house. And maybe never thought of it as like a potential like hit tool. <laughs> you know, they probably thought of it more as like, oh, I got to go use the treadmill now. And I'll just be on it for X amount of miles or Y amount of minutes. So what are some of the things that you and other people who in your industry are trying to do to connect with those folks who can't make it to the gym, but do so in a way that, you know, obviously – you know, you're also trying to make a living here. So what are some of the things that, that you find yourself doing now recently over the past, you know, nine to 12 months to not only connect with current and potentially new clientele, but also doing it in a way that's, um, you know, something that can that, that can give yourself, you know, income and, and, you know, pay for, you know, not pay for, but like, you know, give yourself a living that you have, you know, prior to COVID-19. Yeah, we at Berries have been super innovative and I'm super grateful to have that. Um, we have been offering at-home classes and in many different modalities. So we have your standard body weight strength. If you have access to weights, we have a weights class, access to bands, we have a bands class. And then we also, one of my favorites, um, 
are the run classes, which you don't need a treadmill, but if you have one, awesome. Um, it's based on effort. So again, cueing for interval, you, you know, jog, run, sprint, and just having someone in your ear along with our playlists and music. Um, I think you feel like you're part of something bigger and it's, it's nice to, the hardest part is to sign up and get, get there, get the earbuds in your ears and then you just got to follow the directions. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So obviously it's still like, it's a scary time for so many people in that industry. Um, but now that, you know, we're, we're coming around again and people are becoming more familiar with, you know, digitally uh, connecting with people, not only from a workout perspective, but just from just overall learning, right? People with kids know all about this, right? We've been living this life, you know, constantly uh, with the Google Meets and Zoom sessions and, and so on and so forth. What are some of the things that uh, people are, are starting to engage with this sort of workout uh, digitally uh, as opposed to being in a class that they should take advantage of or not take advantage of? What, what are some things that they should be mindful of that normally they would experience in a classroom setting, but while they're at their home, obviously, you know, like, you know, the music might not be quite as amped up. The energy level might be different. People might, you know, might people have to be kind of, you know, independently making things happen. Whereas when you're in a class or shoot, even just being part of a run group, you know, being a, being near other people can really help people along. So when you're in that setting, what are some of the things that you're telling people to help make sure that their workouts are as good as they possibly can be? So we do offer everyone to have their cameras on via Zoom. And, you know, I know sometimes when it's 6 a.m., it's easy to shut that camera off. But I am a huge fan of being able to see everyone's faces, see forum and be able to offer corrections if needed. And I think there's a little extra, you know, good pressure when you say, see that there are other people on the camera. And, you know, it's again, feeling like someone's next to you, whether, whether you actually see them and look into it or not. I think just knowing that, you know, helping to hold yourself accountable that other people can check you out. All right. So I'm really excited. So you're actually going to be, this is the first, and this is like, I'm so excited about this. On November 23rd, we're going to be launching uh, the registration for the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. You're a part of it. So you're going to be doing a video on strength training for runners, focusing on body weight strength training, which we've talked a little bit about here. I'm so excited for you to talk about it there. What are some of the body weight exercises that you personally feel like have the biggest impact on you as an athlete? Yes, I'm so excited for the summer. It's summit. It's going to be awesome. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of working with body weight. I think there are so many benefits to learning how to move your body in different ways that we don't do on a daily basis. And, you know, we spend so much time moving our bodies forwards. We walk forwards, we run forwards. Um, we have different planes of motion and moving our body side to side, like side lunges, skaters are going to be super important um, to, again, balance ourselves out and get your get your muscles used to moving in all different ways in case we ever need to, you know. And um, we're going to focus a lot on in the summit in balance and stability and unilateral movements, which sometimes we have an imbalance, one leg stronger than the other and working one side at a time helps to you know, get any of the kinks and out to make us stronger overall. 
Yes. These, those sorts of exercises are are unique because I think I've done several of them and, and worked with trainers who've done them. And I'm aware of the importance, but it's funny working with some, with some of those exercises because it's not like, you know, so I have a college basketball background. When I would, you know, do, you know, I would lift weights for basketball. I was doing weight, you know, you know whether it was doing deadlifts or squatting or benching and things like that, where it was like this, um, you were very aware of, um, especially the day after when you were super sore of how like this was impacting your body, right? When you're lifting those heavy weights, when I would do these sorts of more body weight, especially stability and balance exercises, I found them challenging, but I was always under this impression, like, all right, is this, how is this making a difference, right? How is this, how is this actually going to work? Now I'm, I'm certainly past that point, but I know a lot of people who are new to this have that similar feeling where it feels like this seems too small to make a difference. How do you react when, when you get that sort of light pushback uh, from people that you might start working with? Yeah, definitely have gotten that pushback. And I think that comes from it comes from something very admirable as runners, especially we look for, you know, that breathless feeling and like heart pumping. And it's a, it's a totally different type of workout. And that's, you know, setting people up to recognize that you might not be completely out of breath and you might not be hurled over by the end, but it's super important and it still can be challenging on the body. And we can pro- progress these moves in so many different ways. Um, adding weights, adding resistance, adding range. Um, and it, it's it's going to pay off in your running form, in your power, and in your speed. All right. So let's talk about your running before we get out of here. What are some of the goals that you have as a runner, short-term and long-term? Uh, so many. Where to begin? Um, most currently is to break 17 minutes in the 5K. I'm so close, 1701. And I've run that time twice. And I think where my head's at, I ran it in the Charles of Miles virtual race on the track um, that I did with one of my friends who helped pace me. And then I did it again in Jersey City at the um, night of the 5k race in person. So hitting that twice was just a sign of that's where I'm at. And there's more to give. so that that's going to be my first goal. And then I'm still kind of figuring out what distances I'm super excited about. I was a miler um, mostly through college, and it wasn't until my senior year that I ran the 5K. So it's still something that excites me and is new to me. But the mile has always been my grassroots and continuing to shed time off there is going to be really exciting. I I'm super happy to say that during COVID, I was able to break the five-minute mile. Um, that was always the goal of college. And it's funny now thinking that I was able to do that. And I totally say that I owe it a lot to just being stronger overall as a human rather than just in running. That's exciting. So I have to ask this question because I know some of the so many of the people that you run with and just in the city generally have been so focused on the marathon over the past, you know, 18 months or so leading up uh, into the last February. Is there any gravity around that event for you or are you going to stay, you know, lower distance for a while now? I actually was signed up to run 2020. And I I do believe everything happens for a reason. And I, I've been loving 
being in my shorter distance because now I'm thinking 26 miles sure sounds like a lot. But um, it was something that I was just kind of going to throw myself into um, purely because I felt there was so much camaraderie and excitement around it. Um, so I, I think that's going to be on pause for a little, but it's definitely, it's definitely something for the future to look to. That's great. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to get you involved uh, with the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. Again, the tickets will go on sale starting November 23rd. This baby's coming out January 15th. I cannot wait. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Matt. This was fun. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show and everything you're doing for so many runners out there. I love talking to people who are doing things that I'm not doing. And um, significant weight training, body training uh, of any of any sort, any degree is something that I definitely uh, need to do more of. So to talk to someone who's an expert in the field really is uh, fun and exciting for me. Also, big shouts out to Prevenex and Paper Trails Greeting Company. Prevenex sponsoring every episode in 2020 of the Rambling Runner podcast. So go check them out. They're the real deal. Also, Kristen over at Paper Trails Greeting Company is just creating the most amazing cards. You're going to love it. Believe me. Believe me. It is just absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. And happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.